Where's Levi sitting? Okay. Thanks for sending that boy up. He says to me, why are you wearing these? And I said, because they look cool. And I turned back and he's going. <laughs> so thanks for letting me get out of the house with these suspenders on. Um, oh, also, by the way, he whispered in my ear, did you know this is where Jesus actually lives? Like right here. So there you go. Um, I had prepared a bunch of stuff because, frankly, I have a bunch of stuff running through my head most of the time. And uh, then I was told I got about 15 to 20 minutes. So I'm going to cut that down just a little bit. But you guys got clear this afternoon? Everybody's good? What's interesting is um, the way the Lord speaks to me is really just by kind of giving me a thought in my head. You know, it's not like he audibly tells me things and some people I know have that but really like I'll just be moving throughout the day and all of a sudden like a thought that is just a complete pure thought will run jump in my head and I'll kind of mull over it for an hour or two and and uh and then sometimes I'll write it down or I'll I'll look some things up and then I'll have a conversation throughout the day with people and so I had thought when I spoke with Levi that I would I would I have all these things in the last five years that the Lord's done in my life. Um, I did a, a intensive study on righteousness. I thought, well, people who are righteous are really blessed by God. And so I want to figure out what righteousness is. And and so if you go from Old Testament to New Testament, like it is a tall order. I mean, it really is a tall order. And I'll come back to that because I think the Lord simplified righteousness in my life. But. Um, there are so many lessons, and it's so difficult just to grab one to talk about. And I was standing in front of my barn, and so going back to that thought in, inside my head, I was getting ready to mow, and I started singing this song. And it's just kind of a, I don't even know where it came from, but uh, nobody could hear me, by the way. Um, and it's just a verse that's been put to a tune. And I thought, okay, that's where I'll start. Um, and originally... When I I thought this is what this is for and this is who needs to hear this, then you guys did graduation Sunday. And it's like, okay, Lord knew what he was doing because it's right in line not only with people who are hurting or people who need or people who just need to trust in general, but launching out um, for the moms and dads who are so nervous that their kids are going into what we call a kind of a disarray of a world, but also... Um, for the kids who need to launch out and trust God. And so I'm going to ask somebody to read for me because we're an old school church and that's what we do. So if somebody will turn to Proverbs 3, 5. And whoever jumps and grabs it first, that's what we'll do. I grabbed this picture this morning and I don't know. I, I couldn't even honestly. I had a great point and I can't remember what the point is. But it's a it's my wife had it sitting somewhere and I ran across it. You guys can't see it, but it's a picture of my grandma and grandpa. And. And it's such a cool picture. He looks so dapper in it with his his hat tipped sideways. And and I and then as I sat there and I tried to remember, what was your point, Lord? Why did I bring that picture this morning? I thought I watched these slides go by and I thought, man, life flies, doesn't it? Like these kids were like this and now they're up like that, taller than the people who taught them. And and there's some really important things the Lord has taught me that will make your life better. I mean, I look at my son, Connor, who's six foot three, and I'm like, what in the world? Like a few years ago, he was like this, you know. And so there's some things that will make 
the younger kids sitting here make your life so much easier and so much more fruitful. And us older people, if we could just stop and learn a couple of simple facts, and we'll go over that in just a minute. But who's got Proverbs 3, 5 for me? Thank you. Keep on going. You guys have a great Sunday. We'll see you next time. I mean, that's about as solid as it gets. So let's I don't want to do like a Hebrew ecclesiastical study, but I did kind of chop that down because trust seems so simple and so easy. Um, But there's more to that word like that. You know, we always talk about root words. And so we break it down into English as best we can. But we just miss so very much when we do that. And so. I looked up the word, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but then I looked up the synonyms to that word, because to me it gives me the meat for what, it, what was intended there. And I, what I wrote is these are not independent. Like all these synonyms I read, they flow together, and it's living. And so you'll end up on one word, and you'll go to another word. And at one moment in time, you may need to focus more on this aspect of trust. And that may be good, and then something will pop up, and you'll need to focus on a different aspect. So it's in flux, and it's always moving. So let me read these uh, kind of synonyms to that. Assurance, belief, faith, hope, certainty, confidence, conviction, credit, expectations. These are the phrases that you might put with that. And I can almost picture some of the people here in the congregation having said this to me at a particular time and what they meant when they said it, which was bank on it, count on it, or you better believe. Have you ever heard anybody say, you better believe? I mean, they mean it like it's about to happen. And so that's that's trust. Now, here are the antonyms. If if you're not trusting and you're actively trusting in the Lord, then something is taking place. You're never ecstatic. So something is always happening, and so you're switching over to the antonym of that, which is distrust, doubt, fear. Have any of us had fear, worry, concern, lack of faith, mistrust, uncertainty, discredit, or lack of confidence in? So trust is admitting these things, all of these things that we just read, assurance, faith, certainty, all those things. It's admitting these things and then accepting those things. So remember, it's living and we're always kind of in flux and moving. And then you have to surrender this like cognitive protective shell that you know what's best. And one more thing, it's surrender. That surrender is hard. I think it's a lot of times what keeps people out of church and keeps people from making decisions for the Lord is they just don't want to surrender And the problem with surrender for us who have already surrendered our lives is that on the flip side of that, it means we have to wait on the Lord. And that's one of the hardest things to do. When you pray, you want an answer. You say the Lord's not answering. And sometimes the Lord is just saying, wait. There's so many times in the last two years I've said just wait. So now, I'm old school, I wrote. So he asked me if I had slides and I said, no, I just wrote. Uh, and obviously we're suspenders. So. so trust actively and decisively in the Lord, waiting on him and for him with all your heart. So go back to the verse with all your heart. Um, while not taking comfort that you understand, but leaning on the trust that he has. So if your situation requires trust in him and you don't understand it, there's some mystery. Like you're looking at like, I just don't get what's going on here. 
That's the best spot to be in because I guarantee if there's mystery and you don't understand it, God is actively, mysteriously at work in your situation. He's magically at work in your situation. And if something is difficult, something has happened in your life, if you have a real challenge or if you have change or if you need direction, you don't know what you're supposed to do with your life, you know, you're getting close to the end of school and it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, then that can generate fear and sorrow. And that is a real opportunity for you just to surrender and trust the Lord. Let me just look and see because I'm thinning out here. Consider trust, surrender. All the words that we read were involved in trust, all those synonyms. Bank on it. Acknowledge it. Lean on it. And take comfort in it. If you don't understand it, not only does the one you trust in understand it, but he's masterfully at work in it. And then in all your ways, acknowledge him. So this is this is kind of I'm going to switch and add level a little bit because I think this is more important today. Um, I did a study on righteousness. I'm going to throw kind of all that whole study and kind of skip that because it's difficult. But what I came down to was a couple of verses um, in Genesis 2, 2 and then Genesis 2, 4, I think you can check me. But, you know, we and I just talked to somebody today. I don't know if I was out there, but about how hard God worked to create the earth. I mean, he worked hard. And when he was done on the seventh day, he rested. And he took a break. And it was kind of like, it was my neighbor Chance, that's who I talked to. It's kind of like my exciting job, which is taking me way too long to do, God forbid. But when I get a, get a piece done and then the girls paint it, I step back and I look at it. You ever done that on a project? And then a couple hours later, you walk by and you won't say anything to anybody. But just look and you're like, yeah, that looks good. And so, you know, God was looking at what he did and he was thinking, that looks good. Obviously, it wasn't a prideful, but he took pride in it. You know, he did a good thing. Um, and then he rested and he looked at it and then he made man and that, that, that whole story. But when you get to two, four and a lot is just kind of not there, but in two, four, God comes down in the midst of the morning and he walks in the garden and his intention was to walk with man. His intention was to, to take Adam and, and walk through the garden and just look at, you know, the, the peonies that are growing and the, the trees that provide food and just have a conversation, much like if my wife and I were to get up early in the morning and just go for a walk down the road. And we might talk about how the mosquitoes are bad and the dogs are barking and the leaves look amazing and the grass is tall. And that is a the perfect example of what God intended for us to do with him. He intended for us to walk with him. You go to Moses's story and Moses um, it says in, in one of the verses in Moses' story, it says, Moses was a righteous man, for he walked with God. That's it. So when you wake up in the morning and, and before you do anything and your feet hit the ground, just let it audibly come out your mouth. God, walk with me. And so in God's presence, evil can't exist. There's always a flip side. So you're serving the Lord and you're steering far from sin. And you're walking with him. But if you're sinning and you're validating your sin, you're tied to the beast. And so you can't go on a walk with God and take the devil with you. And so walking with the Lord first thing in the morning automatically evicts sin and it evicts the devil from your life. And so for young people and us, but especially because it's graduation Sunday, man, if you could start a habit of waking up in the morning and asking the Lord to walk with you. 
how many problems would you just avoid ever having made? And when he's in your presence and you, you learn to trust him and you learn to allow him to speak in your life. And when you don't understand, you're like, OK, it's a mystery. But I know in this mystery, the Lord is at work. And so I will just focus on him and walk with him and allow him to make my path straight. I thought of that. You, you don't mind if I talk about your Levi, do you? OK. Um, we were chatting on the phone uh, a couple nights ago. And he was telling me about this fence post that he pounded in for 30, 45 minutes. And and you, you know he's very type A when it comes to work. And so when he steps back to look like the Lord did and he looks at it, it's crooked. And he, that's not good enough. So he spent probably like, I don't know, two hours, an hour, I don't know, put, trying to get this fence post straight. Um, there's a point to all of that. <laughs> That's what happens when you ad lib. What was my point to that, Levi? Hmm. What's that? Yeah. So Levi got the fence post straight. Oh, there you go. I got that. Thank you, Lord. Um, it is so much easier when the fence post goes in straight. You know, when you, you don't even think about it, you just one, two, three, four, five, six, I'm assuming. Right. Right. And then you hit one like that. And it's like if if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and you lean not on your understandings and all your ways, acknowledge him, get up in the morning, and ask him to walk with you. And he will make your paths straight. And what does that mean when he makes your path straight? I wrote, wrote a few things down. It's, it means your path is easy to manage. It's easy to navigate. It's safe to travel. It's more prosperous, more purposeful. And so you almost, it's so easy when it's straight, but when it's not straight, when you deviate, when you allow sin to creep in, when you allow yourself to be tethered to the, to the devil, when you start walking this mucky walk, it becomes a mess to fix. And to mend, so do the right thing, the easy thing, which is just ask the Lord to walk with you. I think I got more time, don't I? Um, Let's just read some thoughts. These are just a few easy, quick thoughts here. Um, As I kind of, I let the week kind of saturate. I carried this book around with me. Chloe and I drive to work every day. That's my oldest daughter. And we play this game called ABC. And it's like when you're, I'll start with A and I might list a condition, ankylosing spondylitis. And then she's got to do B, which is Barrett's or something like that. And so we're driving down the road, and she says, Dad, it's your turn. You're on D. And I'm like, hang on. I got a thought in my head. I had to wait till I hit the stop sign and jump out of the car, grab this from the back seat, and write it down. So I wrote like five pages because I thought this was a Mennonite church, and we went until like 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> but evidently we don't. So, um, so let me just read a couple of thoughts that the Lord gave me, and, and we won't go too long with it. But uh, it hit me this week that you are not who anyone thinks you are except the Lord. No one really knows you. Your wife thinks she knows you because she's been with you forever. And, you know, she knows your past and your mistakes and she loves you unconditionally. And there's just like kind of this combination of things or your husband. Um, People you work with think they know you, but I guarantee you're different at work. Your mentality is different, how you work. You know, at my office, I I show up and it's like it's so easy to be charismatic because that's what I do. That's my calling. That's where the Lord has called me. So everybody's got this like amazing picture of me. 
that kind of melds but doesn't completely meld with the picture that my family probably has of me because they know my mistakes. But God knows me completely. He's the only one that really, truly knows me. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, for you, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. All my days are ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's a couple other verses here, but well, let me go ahead and read it. Psalm 139, 2 through 4. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Let's talk just a moment about prayer. Um, this is a really big conviction of mine. Um, there's three quotes I wrote down here about prayer. I don't know who owns them or who said the quotes, but I liked them, so I wrote them down. Um, your prayer for someone may or may not change them, but it will always change you. If you develop a habit of praying to God for others, you will never need to pray for your own self. And then the last one is the greatest gifts we can give each other is to pray for one another. I think we get in a habit of saying, there's not a whole lot I can do for you, so I'll pray for you. And that's what we mean by the tone of voice. Somebody gives you this long story and it's like, ugh, I'll pray for you. You know, but it is the most that you can do. And then you might be able to do something else, but that's the most you can do. First Job 4.10 says, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens in this way. You will fulfill the law of Christ. First John 5.14, and I went ahead and did 15. This is a confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever he, we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And then lastly, Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and be thankful. Okay, I'm going to throw some stones. I know we're not supposed to do that. Men. Women are so much better at prayer. And I don't know why that is. We have spent too many years with women leading the way and setting the example for prayer warriors. We can have one group of people that are all women and one group of people that are all men. And we can start two prayer meetings, meeting every week. And the women will do it for years. And the men will last six months with two guys showing up for the last Four months and that's it. We're too busy. We're too uncomfortable. We're too tough. We're too, too many things. And we're supposed to be setting the example. I'm not casting stones. I'm also throwing them at myself. If you're like me, I spent a number of years promising prayer to people. I would start. uh, They would finally start to come to me and say, you know, and this these are people that are unchurched, people that are unsaved. And they knew because I loved them. I genuinely loved them. And I spoke with them about their issues and whatever else outside of what they came in the office for, that I was a safe place to ask for prayer. And so they would come in and say, hey, I've got this going on. Can you just pray for me? And I said, absolutely. And I'd even write it down on a sticky note and then I'd forget to pray for him. I mean, all the time. I'm not saying once. I'm saying all the time. And the really embarrassing thing is when they would come back and say, thank you so much for your prayers because things are really turning around. And I'm like, praise God. It's not because I prayed for him. So God convicted me and he says, um, 
How about you just lay your hand on their shoulder and pray for them to take them to the throne of grace right there? I don't care if you're in the Walmart parking lot, Sutherland's, standing in the front yard. What an amazing thing, literally, to be able to shift dimensions. You're right, right here in church and you shift dimensions and you, and you walk into the throne of grace where God is sitting there ready to receive you and listen to you with somebody that doesn't belong to him. That he, and just take them right there and pray for them. What a powerful thing in their life. I've done that. I, I don't know how many times, and I remember this one particular time with a guy who was an Amazon delivery guy. And the reason I remember it was because I just started, I caught him in the front yard and I said, how you doing, what's going on? And, and he's, he's a little short, stocky guy with a ponytail who was probably a D, like a Dungeons and Dragons type, you know. And... I mean, I had nothing in common with him, but I just spoke with him for a little bit. And then I just said, how can I pray for you? And you think it's going to be awkward, you know, like when you think about people saying you always picture like the kind of the awkward Christian youth pastor or whatever, where that just makes everything like, oh, my gosh, he's asking that question. I'm going to go over here. But I, he was ready. He stopped and he and he stood there for a minute and he gave me a more meaty, good answer than most church people will. And that we're talking about a lost soul. And he said, well, I'm struggling with, you know, my my roommates and there's becoming a lot of tension there. And I just it's just getting really and for whatever. So I, I said, you know what, let's just pray right now to take two seconds. I know you're busy. Let's just go go before the Lord. And here's why I remember this. I don't remember which kid, but I had my hand on him. He bowed his head to pray. And I turned around just for a moment before I prayed. And one of my kids was looking out the window. Man, was I thankful for that? Just to have them see me do the right thing. Because, gosh, they see me do the wrong thing so many times. And so I took him to the Lord and we prayed. And we changed Facebook uh, names and, 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 you know, just kind of so we could stay connected. But when he lifted his head, he was crying. And it meant something to him. For somebody to stop and care enough to pray. And so my encouragement there, I guess, is... For men to step up a little bit, you know, don't you're not too cool and you're not too busy. And if you are too busy, you're too busy. You know, the Lord gives us work and it's good for us to work. The verse that always comes to mind is a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And I usually stop there because it's so cool and it rolls, but brings poverty like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. And it's like it's good to be busy and it's good to work hard. But busy can be a sin. You know, especially if we're too busy for the things God wants us to do. And so pray with your family. Pray for your family. Take time to, to, to enjoy people and to show them the joy that you have in the Lord. If you have something good, and we've got something good, right? Act like it. I was... I go to Sutherland's and I mean, I, I have so many friends there and they, they give me so much stuff for free because I it's ridiculous. I feel guilty and it's just because I I love them and they're awesome and I have fun and I try to I know their day stinks. You know, I know people are tough sometimes. And so I go in and try to I try to leave them with a smile. It's kind of like I'm going to do this and I shouldn't. It's kind of like cologne, you know. Sometimes somebody has good smelling cologne and before they get in the room, you're like, here they come. And then they hang out, they hang out and you get to enjoy it while they're there. It's like, all right. 
And then they leave, and guess what? They leave a little gift, and you get to smell that cologne. But if you're a grump, farts do the opposite. So don't be a fart. You leave the room, it's still there. So go into a public place or wherever you're at and just be the joy of the Lord, you know, and then look for opportunities. My favorite question, I'm sure my family's tired of me saying it, but it works, is I say to people, how has the Lord blessed you? And a lot of times they think I'm talking about Game of Thrones. They don't know who the Lord is. But a lot of times they do, and they give me solid answers. And again, people who are unchurched give me better answers than people who are churched. I've had more, more pastors say to me, well, I woke up today. Really? The God of gods, the guy who made this thing, the guy who sustains you and wants to walk with you, who pr- provided a savior, you woke up today, that's it? I mean, I'm blessed by looking at these things. We've got them in our front yard. And it's a miracle. Explain to me how that works. And you don't believe in him? But love people. I'm going to try to somehow sum this up. Love people. Be God's joy, an extension of him. Put your hand on people's shoulders and pray for them. Everybody in here has got something going on, you know? And everybody in here needs prayer. And man, if you could stop in the middle of the day and just pray with somebody and take them to the throne of grace... And then back to the verse. Let me let me just read it one more time, just because I think it's God intends it for somebody. He intended it for me. Um, I think he intended it for all of us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we're thankful for mornings like to morning. This morning, when it's cool and the, the mosquitoes are gone, um, when we see the growth that you've given us, I was so blessed just to walk through the garden and see what's popping up. And and uh, I always liken that to, to what it would be like to walk with you in the garden, Lord. Um, thankful for this church family. I'm thankful that we can walk into a church building and, and be amongst brothers and sisters uh, who we don't even know. And we've got so many things in common. I pray for the graduates, Lord, that that you would really burn it on their heart to remember to walk with you, to ask you to walk with them. And when a situation gets dark and and dim and, and they're worried or concerned, all they have to do is ask that you would walk with them and you come down in the midst and your holiness drives the evil one away. God, we just pray that you are glorified in our lives, that you remind us to pray for others in that moment that we take him to the throne of grace. I pray, Lord, that your numbers would skyrocket this week as people in this church start bringing people to you, to your throne of grace, that you'd see a difference. Pray these things in your holy name. Amen.